1: Hey, hey, welcome back. Another edition of the Announcer Schedule Podcast here on Last Word on Sports. What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Mike Gill. Phil DeMott Molland, he is the voice, he is the face, he is the handle that you follow at Announcer Schedule. We're back with another great edition of Announcer Schedule Podcast here on Last Word on Sports. And uh, Phil, we got a lot to discuss today as we are past football. We're now past the Jewel event of the All-Star weekend. We get into the NBA stretch run. We got hockey down the stretch. We got baseball starting March Madness, the XFL very innovative. We got a whole bunch to discuss on episode 37. What's up, man? Hey, Mike, uh, great to be with you. Yeah, you
2: know, we you think that hey, the Super Bowl is past and it's time to, you know, breathe and and relax a little, but there's more news as ever and um across all sorts of sports a lot happening with major league baseball as we're, we're heading into that season of course uh, march madness right around the corner as well and yeah can't wait to to get into today's episode as far as breaking it all down all that's happened around the world of announcing
1: yeah we got the uh You know, March Madness coming up, my favorite time of the year. We're going to have the Masters coming up here, uh, which will be great to discuss as well. But before we get into that, like, rate, review, subscribe, leave comments, reviews on uh, wherever you're listening on the platform, and uh, make sure you let your friends know more about announcer schedules. If you're looking to go to any of the upcoming conference tournaments across the country, plus the March Madness venues for the big dance, we at Announcer Schedules want you to use Ticket Smarter for your ticket selections and prices. Download the Ticket Smarter mobile app or go to ticketsmarter.com for a tremendous selection to all the big college hoop games upcoming in March. Your purchase is 100% secure through their system and competitive prices on the secondary market. Use our promo code hoops23 to take $10 off your order that promo go- code is good as many times as you use it go to a game on Tuesday use the code go to a game on Thursday use the code hoops23 for $10 off your order from ticketsmarter.com this March think smarter ticket smarter remember use the announcer schedule podcast code hoops23 we got hoops coming up but we want to start off with some sad news Phil as uh, obviously, this has been a tough 14 months in the broadcasting field. We've lost some legends and some giants of the broadcasting game. And this week, we lost maybe one of the biggest voice voices in baseball. Yeah, uh,
2: Tim McCarver um, sadly passed away last week. And, you know, just a remarkable career as, you know, the preeminent, if you look at the history of baseball broadcasting, I would say television analyst, in that arena and he called 24 World Series first one being in 1985 he actually uh, stepped in as a replacement for for Howard Cosell you know Cosell did a lot of analyst work it wasn't just him on the the play by play side so worth worth noting that but McCarver his first one in 1985 and he kept on going uh his whole broadcasting career um, Dating back to the original start, which was with the Phillies broadcast in 1980, spanned 40 years, Phillies, Mets, Yankees, Giants, Cardinals, but so many World Series in particular, 24, that's a huge number, um, a ton of those, obviously, in in you know, more recent years with Joe Buck and, you know, a polarizing figure in a lot of ways, as far as, you know, the, you know, his style and some of the things he said, he, he got fired from the Mets at, at one point and, you know, just a lot of fans and, you know, critics took shots at him and things like that. But the bottom line is, you know, he wrote the book on a lot of how baseball analysis is handled in TV broadcasting. And, you know, um, really, like you said, in these last 14 months, Yet another giant we have lost, uh, if you think back of these these four in particular in the last 14 months, John Madden, Vin Scully, Billy Packer, who we talked about just a couple weeks ago uh, from college basketball, and Tim McCarver um, have all passed away. So, you know, some big, big names, some big legacies there. And, uh, yeah, we wanted to take a little bit of time to you know reflect on Tim McCarver's legacy. And, you know, Mike, I I know you've got some, some thoughts as well, you know, really made a big, big
1: impact in all of the things that we talk about. We talk about Philadelphia, PHL 17. He used to do the games with the legendary, uh, Harry Callis and Richie Aspern. He was a part of that people in this region, you know, Harry Callis, uh, you know, is, a legend here. Him and Whitey Richie Ashburn were great together. Um, McCarver was there. He called games in Philly. Then you mentioned the Mets. And it almost, you know, it was so, uh, you know, a second guesser, and, and and that kind of rubbed some of the teams the wrong way. In fact, some people think that Bobby Valentine may have pushed McCarver or helped nudge him out of the Mets broadcast booth uh, because he was second-guessing. And the Yankees said, all right, we'll pick him up. And, you know, then he did some national stuff, obviously. He won, by the way, a three Emmy Awards. He even did some stuff with the Olympics uh, for the 92 Winter Olympics with uh, CBS. He did some figure skating then. People forget that little hit that he did. He was with Fox, as you mentioned. Um with Joe Buck. And and then uh, as we talk, a polarizing guy, remember 92 with the Braves, him and Deion Sanders got into it. Um, And, you know, one of the things that was we we talk about with with Tony Romo that made him such a uh, a star right off the bat. It was like he was this clairvoyant guy, and he was like having fun and calling out the plays. Well, McCarver was a guy in baseball that would almost tell you what happened Uh, before it happened, right? You you would hear him kind of break down what he thought might happen before it would happen, and uh, that was in the 2001 World Series where that really stood out. Let's take a listen. The one problem is Rivera throws inside the left-handers. left-handers get a lot of broken, bad hits in the shallow outfield, the shallow part of the outfield.
2: That's the danger in bringing the infield in with a guy like Rivera on the mound.
1: Joe Buck on the call, as you heard uh, Tim McCarver say, hey, inside pitches. That's what Mariana Rivera is known for. Don't bring the infield in, infields in, little flare into center, maybe one of the most famous endings to a World Series ever. And McCarver was all over it before it actually happened. And, you know, that's just one uh, example of, of when he was able to kind of be a clairvoyant type of broadcaster and tell you what was going to happen. He also did it uh, in this game back in the 96 Classic.
2: I think Wolves is going to the breaking ball too much. To me. This situation right here, this is a
1: game situation. It's almost like Bobby Cox is shaking his head. If you get beat, you want to get beat on your best pitch, not your third best pitch. Again, the 2-2 Neleris. Track at the wall, we are tied. And that famous home run from Jim Larett in the '96 World Series, Phil. He's saying, "You don't want to get beat with your third best pitch." There's the third best pitch delivered into the left field seats. Yeah, you're right. The the clairvoyant nature, and you know,
2: people were. So Gaga about Tony Romo when he brought that to, to NFL broadcast, but McCarver had been doing it for a long time on the baseball side. You know, some of his expertise, I think, also comes from the position he played catcher, you know, it's someone who's involved in every single, you know, pitch and, you know, just sees so much happening there on the field during his playing career, which was a, a great one as well. You know, he, he caught for just absolute Legends over over time, including Bob Gibson for many many years, and the, with the Cardinals. And so he had that sort of know how, and you know wasn't afraid to to take chances because if some of those predictions come up, you know wrong, you know you're going to get hammered for that on in the blogosphere and all that. But uh, yeah, you know you, you mentioned the 1996 World Series. We heard that clip there. That was actually Fox's first World Series. In 1996 and it was also joe buck's first world series as a the play-by-play announcer at a, a much younger age than he is now of course and you know it was a three-person booth buck tim mccarver and bob Brenly. and the pre-game host and also handling the trophy presentation for that game was a name that we've been talking about on the announcer schedules podcast chip carey who recently took the job for the St. Louis Cardinals after working for the the Braves for all those years. And then you mentioned the 2001 game. That was probably the, the most famous call that, you know, McCarver's made, or at least the one that's made the rounds the most. And that, once again, was Buck and McCarver. It was actually the first time it was just a two-person booth with Buck and McCarver, you know, with Buck McCarver and Bob Brenly prior to that. Um, Other uh, contributors on that broadcast, Steve Lyons was the field reporter, if you remember that name, and also Jeannie Zelasco handling the, you know, the kind of the pre- and post-game studio uh, work. But um, really, uh, you know, fascinating stuff when you look back on his career. You know, the guys he worked with on the play-by-play side, we've been mentioning Joe Buck, but – Joe Buck's father, Jack Buck, you know, he did a couple World Series with him uh, back in the early 90s on on CBS. Uh, He originally worked with Al Michaels on the World Series games, that first booth, Michaels, Palmer and McCarver. And uh, yeah, you know, he went on to work with Sean McDonough for a couple of them with CBS and just a, a fascinating career who of a guy that, you know, like we have been saying, was polarizing at times, but at the same time, you know, wrote the book in so many ways on TV baseball analysis. Yeah,
1: he's also in the Hall of Fame, by the way, Ford Frick Award winner. Uh, So obviously uh, a giant in the baseball announcing world. And this was his final sign-off with Joe Buck, 2013 Red Sox Cardinals.
2: 34 years ago, my obligation shifted from the field and the players to the booth and to you, the viewers. Fairness and accuracy and honesty have always been my goals, along with teaching you something you may not have known about this great game. I hope I've achieved those things.
1: That was Tim McCarver's final sign-off 2013 World Series. And by the way, he talked about, I made the transition from the field. Well, who was he on the field? A two-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, uh, had a tremendous uh, career, played in four different Decades. He was the runner-up to 1967 MVP in the National League and uh, helped the Cardinals in 64 in the series Hit 478 with a three-run homer in the 10th to win game five. And uh, he led the NL in triples one year with 13. A versatile catcher and a versatile broadcaster. Tim McCarver passes away. Uh, this week is uh, 81 years old, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, made his debut in 1959 with the Cardinals, and he last played in Philadelphia, his second stint with the Phillies. He was a part of those great Phillies teams in the late 70s with Steve Carlton. And, uh, man, it's uh, amazing, uh, the four decades as a player and 30 years. He had more decades as a player than he did a broadcaster. You don't, uh, it, That's hard to believe.
2: Yeah, you know, just an incredible career if you think about just how how much time he spent around the game of baseball and, and, you know, just the the amount of you know knowledge he was able to accumulate over the time. I'm glad you mentioned Memphis, Tennessee, because I think that's part of it, too. He had sort of a folksy Southern style to him in, in a lot of ways that I think people were comfortable with. And once they heard his voice a, a bunch of times, it became, you know, something you had a real – comfort level with when you would turn on a baseball game and there was mccarver with the analysis and uh yeah that 2013 clip you know kind of uh poignant as far as you know his words there on that final sign off that was the last one with joe buck and tim mccarver 18 total you know on fox with with Joe Buck and McCarver. That's a heck of a run right there, of course. If you were wondering what happened after McCarver left the the booth at Fox in the the World Series, the very next two years, Buck, Harold Reynolds, and Tom Verducci, three-person booth in 2014, 2015. And then from that point forward, beginning in 2016, John Smoltz uh, uh, moved into that role. And then, of course, this year now, Buck leaves Fox, heads to ESPN in uh, in 2022 the, this past fall Joe Davis and and John Smoltz but you know it's it's really interesting you know just how much McCarver has made an impact on this major event the World Series you know he worked for all those teams as well he did a lot of work for the Cardinals after he he left Fox and and uh, the World Series booth in in 2013 on the Cardinals broadcast these you know this last decade or so and uh yeah just just kind of wild you know i was talking to tj Rees. we had we did a show about the legacy of billy packer and you know it was brought up ha- how many analysts have ever worked you know the these big events for so many years you know no one touching the run that packer had and mccarver was the next guy up as far as someone with a a long run with a major event as an analyst 24 world series and the only other name we could come up with beyond that Was Jeff Van Gundy, you know, who's who's got a run going right now with with Mike Breen. Um, He's a couple years ahead of uh, his partner in the three person booth, Mark Jackson, who went into coaching for a couple years during all that. But yeah, I mean, when you're talking this many consecutive years in that big of an event, it's meaningful and. You know, just an incredible legacy, Tim Tim McCarver, and glad we we're able to spend some time here on the Announcer Schedules podcast discussing it.
1: And by the way, we talk about long runs. We're going to see a long run in broadcasting come to an end. March Manis, when Jim Nance, uh, the 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 tournament, that is another long run of a broadcaster that is uh, going to be coming to an end there. Uh, and Bill Rafferty, how long has he been a part of that broadcast? I think in fourteen is when uh, Rafferty and and Grant Hill were added to that broadcast. So you're seeing a start maybe. Uh, The end of another long team, Uh, these broadcasting pairings, we're seeing a lot of them kind of change. Everybody changed networks, and, you know, uh, now we're starting to see a lot of new faces, including in baseball. Let's go to baseball. Brandon Gauden is the new Braves play-by-player. He will be uh, taking over that role in Atlanta. Yeah. You know,
2: we actually got this news in the the middle of last week's podcast and, you know, kind of the dust has settled a little bit more and you, you know, you, it comes into um, clarity as far as, you know, just the connection that God has with the Braves and so forth. And it's really kind of a cool story. You know, he's 39 years old. He was absolutely passionate. Braves fan, growing up, he grew up in Evansville, Indiana, but gravitated to the Braves, and probably because of like so many people, you know that that Braves coverage on on TBS all those years. You know, so so many parts of the country were able to get Braves games on, on your home television, and then he later moved to Atlanta. And he was the play-by-play person for Georgia Tech football and men's basketball from 2013 to 2016. So, you know, has some roots in the Atlanta area. The last seven years, he's been working for Fox Sports in the Big Ten Network. He's done, you know, a bunch of college hoops, a bunch of college football. He's done a lot of Major League Baseball for Fox Sports, particularly on uh, FS1 and, and things like that. And, uh, yeah, this is a, a big, big gig. You know, Brave's one of the, the biggest – you know followings across major league baseball and you know a, a great legacy as far as the announcers who've worked over the years with the Atlanta Braves and this is kind of a dream job uh, that Brandon Gawden was able to to secure and congratulations to him the last note i just want to mention you know we mentioned Fox Sports and Big 10 Network he has indicated that he's going to continue to work for those entities as well you know i would you know be interesting to see how that all works itself out during kind of the crossover season once Football gets going and baseball is still happening at the same time, but you know, he will continue to call games for Fox in the Big Ten network. You know, I think he's on some college hoops, you know, this weekend and things like that. So um, you know, big news as far as that replacement for Chip Carey. We mentioned him going to the Cardinals, Brandon Gaudin now with the Braves.
1: He also has Westwood One duties. We'll see. He's on the tournament, he's done college football. Uh, so we'll see if he is continuing on Westwood One because it's like Tom McCarthy with the Phillies, who has been a guest of the pod. You can go back into the archives and check out our conversation with Mac. Uh, you know there's some games late in September where he'll miss the Phillies game to go call some NFL games now he does that on CBS Sports he's also Westwood One but we'll see if Brandon will uh, maintain his Westwood One radio duties as well he's also uh, replaced Jim Nance Uh, as the voice of Madden football back in 2016. He has also been the play-by-player in the video game uh, Madden. So uh, his life is about to change, though. Everyday baseball, uh, he's going to be certainly um, a much bigger figure now in the broadcast world day to day. Congratulations to Brandon on getting that Braves primary television gig. As one career begins, one ends in Arizona. Yeah,
2: Greg Schulte has announced his retirement at the end of this season, the 2023 season. It'll be his 26th year with the Diamondbacks as the uh, radio voice and kind of uh, interesting, you know, he was one of the first hires by Jerry Colangelo, you know, who was you know, the managing general partner of the, the Diamondbacks way back when they were awarded a franchise in 1995. And, you know, he actually didn't even go on the air for a couple seasons until they actually started playing baseball in Arizona. But uh, Schulte, you know, he's going on 72 years old. He's battled some some health issues. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to see that he's able to call games, you know, this season he'll be doing, you know, the majority of the the home games, if not all of them, uh, some select road games as well. His partner in the booth for a number of years now has been Tom Candiotti, in case you remember him as a as a player and the secondary play by play announcer. And he also does the pre and post game stuff on radio for arizona he's come on you know these last couple seasons chris garagiola we mentioned joe garagiola as a fellow a uh, catcher who who was a uh, big time analyst in the television world when we we're talking about tim mccarver well chris garagiola is joe Gar- garagiola's grandson And he's, uh, you know, made his way up to the majors. And so, you know, we'll see him filling in for for Schulte sometimes this season in 2023. And then, you know, this will be another opening that we'll continue to monitor. You know, we've talked about it time and time again that, you know, these jobs don't come up that often. And they are, you know, valuable to, to everybody in the industry. So it'll be interesting to see where the Diamondbacks radio goes ultimately.
1: Yes, and he had some memorable moments for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Let's take a listen. 19 strikeouts for Randy Johnson. He goes into his windup. Here's the pitch. He struck him out. He's got 20. And he points to the sky with his glove. 20 strikeouts for Randy Johnson. He looks in. He's got his
2: side. The big unit ready. And the
1: 2-2 pitch. He struck him out.
2: Perfection. Randy Johnson. A perfect game. And the 0-1 delivery. And a little blooper. Base hit diamondbacks win they're the world champions gonzalez did it folks it doesn't get any better than that pump your horns stop your feet celebrate in arizona the
1: diamondbacks have won the world series there you go greg Schulte, who uh, by the way this year 72 years old he had a medical condition that required chemotherapy treatment uh last year he was going to do home games. He wasn't able to do the full home schedule, but uh, according to reports, he will call most, if not all, home games and possibly go on the road for a couple of games in series this year. Uh, so there you go. Greg Schulte, one um, uh, career begins, as we mentioned, with Brandon Gauden, and one is coming to a close this season with Greg Schulte. All right, there's some local news. Let's go to – well, let's stay with some local news real fast. The Phillies broadcasters – their whole team looks like they're back. We mentioned Tom McCarthy. McCarthy on TV, Scott Fransky on the radio. Those guys have signed contracts that will keep them uh, in the booth for, I think, another six to seven years was the deal uh, on there. McCarthy, who has been with the team in some capacity for about 20 years now, he'll continue to be the play by player on TV. Fransky. He took over on radio uh, during the passing of Harry Callis. So when Harry passed away, uh, right around that time, they were making a transition in radio. Uh, Scott Graham had been doing the radio, who does some stuff with Westwood One. Now Fransky has kind of become a very familiar voice there. He has had a plethora, Phil, of combinations he has had now Kevin Stocker also just signed a deal to do some radio Larry Anderson is the primary radio guy but he only does select games he was doing a home schedule he has scaled back a lot two years ago they had three Kevins Kevin Jordan Kevin Franson and Kevin Stocker they all rotated around Uh, Michael Bourne did some games last year they have had just a ton of different analysts in there, but Franski has been uh the constant and he will stay with the Phillies and Tom McCarthy is back as well. His broadcasting partners are John Cruck, Ruben Amaro, um, and Ben Davis is the rotating crew for Phillies baseball. So there we yeah, go there.
2: Yeah, that that's great news that that Tom McCarthy was able to, you know, get that uh, multi-year agreement and you know he, we, we spoke with him last year on the announcer schedules podcast and he's he's so passionate about the Phillies that that's awesome that he's able to you know settle in there and then the other thing I'm keeping an eye on is his son Pat McCarthy who uh, has gotten this big gig up in New York you know the New York Mets radio broadcast he's part of that team and uh, looking ahead to the first time when the Phillies play the Mets Phillies at Mets on may the 30th so that'll be kind of cool for father and son to to be in the same uh, press area up there but you know working with opposing teams who don't necessarily like each other in terms of the fan bases
0: save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or seven up all with your card
1: Uh, That's the Phillies news locally. Let's get a little national. Apple TV Plus got into the baseball game last season Friday nights. Well, they tried something new, and they're scrapping that idea. It looks like they're going to go with a little bit more of a traditional broadcast for their second season
2: yeah you know we're still waiting for the official announcement from uh apple tv plus but andrew Marshan with the new york post has has done quite a bit of reporting on what's happening this year with the mlb coverage on apple this coming up season there's a few names that he's reported will not be returning to uh the the coverage this coming up year steven nelson melanie newman and katie nolan um you know, especially the Katie Nolan piece, like that was a, quite a bit of an experiment last year, as far as incorporating her in the booth and, you know, sort of a non-traditional broadcast as far as, you know, a lot of the conversation happening in that kind of thing. And then the New York post also confirmed that one booth would be the pairing of Wayne Rondazzo and Dontrell Willis, the D train Dontrell Willis. I I'm a fan of his from the, his old days with the, the uh, Florida Marlins before it became the Miami Marlins. But, and then the second uh, play by player would be Alex Faust. And, you know, the games won't be as many uh, east and west coast doubleheaders. Rather, you know, the the games often will happen on at the same time on Friday nights. So you'll have two games, kind of more in the the, the east coast prime time window and uh yeah it'll be be interesting to see you know as apple tv plus continues to evolve as a you know major sports entity you know they're they're being talked about in some of these conversations as far as future rights deals with some of the other properties across national sports so we'll continue to to monitor this as well but uh yeah changes adjustments for apple tv plus going into this
1: season yep and uh the hunter pence was also a part of those broadcasts last year as well they said he might be back in some capacity so that's something to keep an eye on uh for apple tv plus Uh, all right let's transition from baseball nba all-star weekend has come and gone the 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 ratings not good it was the lowest rated all-star game ever and uh yet Brian Anderson, Candace Parker made some history though. Reggie Miller, Dennis Scott, they were the voices that you heard mostly during All-Star Weekend.
2: Yeah, you know,
1: the the All-Star game is quite a
2: issue, I think, as far as, you know, you you look at the NBA, you look at the NFL Pro Bowl, you know, you you look at the athletes themselves as far as their willingness to you know play hard in these things and things like that i mean there's no there's no defense being played in these games and i think the fans have started to catch on a little bit that hey you know these aren't the most competitive games and maybe there's not really a a reason to tune in uh that being said it's still a major major industry event and this one taking place in salt lake city last weekend and you know just a who's who of uh you know nba uh stars and stars from you know across the entertainment world and things like that they even rolled out some you know um big announcements including the nba app having this big feature where you know they got david silver was up there acting like he was um Steve Jobs from from Apple as far as the presentation of this new feature on an app. And, you know, it's kind of a, a who's who of the uh, not only the broadcasting world, but also just kind of uh, stardom within the the NBA. So that still exists. And it's it's kind of the place to be, you know, if you're an in, NBA industry type. Um, back to the game, you know, a couple of things that, you know, got my attention. Brian Anderson had the call on the play-by-play side, you know, his second year doing that. So that was a, a, a big get for him. Candace. Parker made history as the first female analyst uh, covering an NBA all-star game and then Dennis Scott we spoke about him briefly on the last program you know he was the reporter for the game uh, this year and you know he's really an interesting case to me because he's that rare case of a former player who has chosen to go the reporting route, the sideline reporter route, you know, as far as his specialty. And, you know, he's emulated guys like Craig Sager and and things like that talked about that as far as his career path. And, you know, cool to see Dennis Scott, you know, who I remember being just, so lethal from from the three-point line, whether he was playing for Georgia Tech or for the Orlando Magic. But, uh, you know, cool to see him as the reporter and uh, continue to elevate his stock as well.
1: All right, uh, now the NBA is back, and it starts tonight as we record on Thursday. Boy, they got a big break. They didn't have to play on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, basically. And tonight they kick back off as it really starts a busy week uh, ahead for the NBA.
2: Yeah, Thursday night, a couple games on, on TNT, and then we move into Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where ESPN and ABC really take over things. Uh, the games on Friday night, Heat and Bucks, Dave passion and Hubie Brown there. Uh, Thunder and Suns is the late-night game on Friday night. Ryan Rucco, J.J. Redick, and Richard Jefferson. Saturday night's got a got a primetime game with, of course, the, the number one team that's Celtics at Sixers. Breen, Van Gundy, Jackson and Salters, Uh, radio coverage on ESPN Radio for that one, Mike Cousins and Vince Carter. And then there's four games across ABC and ESPN on Sunday. And I think this is sort of a reflection as much as anything of that, hey, the football season's over, you know, time to, you know, really uh, get the NBA on some of these primetime games. Uh, time slots and that kind of thing. We'll see Pash and Hubie Brown again for Suns Bucks. Uh, there's more radio coverage that day as well with Kesty and pj carlissimo and yeah you get four games in total on sunday so the nba cranking back up after that all-star break
1: and then the college basketball season is coming down the stretch just a couple of games left before we get to all the conference tournaments which begin on the 8th of march the acc the big 10 the patriot the big sky uh the big 12 the acc you name it the tournaments are about to begin uh but not before the final big weekend here at college hoops
2: yeah, yeah, big big weekend coming up. Some some heavy hitters on Saturday in particular that you know a lot of folks will be tuning into. Texas Baylor, that that's a huge matchup. Dave O'Brien, Dickie V, and Chris Budden on that call. Your alma mater, West Virginia heads to Lawrence, Kansas for a game on ESPN at four o'clock. That's Mark Neely and Chris Spitola. Um, I'll be keeping an eye on Florida State at Miami at 4 p.m. on ESPN2, Anish Shroff and Jordan Cornett, and then uh, Virginia UNC on ESPN, Virginia Tech and Duke with West Durham and Debbie Antonelli, the primetime game on ESPN. So um, all sorts of action across ESPN, CBS Sports Network, fox you know on down the the dial and uh yeah it's that time of year where these games being more and more more eyeballs will be will be on them and you know big opportunities for all these announcers.
1: All right. Uh, college basketball, one of my favorite times of the year. The tournament uh, will certainly be all over that because that will be a busy time. Westwood One Radio has the tournament. Westwood One Radio, Compass has the Big Ten. Westwood One has the Big East. ESPN has the ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12. So a lot of radio broadcasts will be happening as well. Always love to give my radio brethren a little extra push there uh, as the tournament comes down the stretch. NHL they just had their stadium series game, and now they're pushing towards the playoffs.
2: Yeah, the stadium series game, that was a big hit, you know, up in the, the state that I'm located in, in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Looked with the great Carolina on TV, Hercules. by the way. What's that? Looked great on TV. Yeah, yeah, I thought so too and you know just a great production there from from ESPN sean McDonough handling the play-by-play work. Uh Marty Smith was part of that coverage, which is interesting, the first ever uh, you know, a hockey uh game for for Smith that he did on television on network television. So so that was cool what he brings to the table and you know, the NHL continues to march on whether it's on TNT or ESPN and ABC. We've got some games this weekend. Uh, you can keep an eye on you a know, former guest of the podcast, Bob Waschusen. He'll be on the game on Saturday, uh, the second of two games, Penguins and Blues, at 3.30 p.m. ABC.
1: Uh, There you go. Some hockey down the stretch. They come. And uh, let's get into the football. I thought the XFL, by the way, uh, maybe we probably should have given a little bit more love to this XFL. A little higher on the rundown here. But the XFL had an innovative weekend of week two coming up here. We can highlight the broadcast team. But I thought the broadcast itself. We had Gene Steratore on, who's the rules analyst for CBS, but I thought they did a really good job with Dean Blandino and taking the viewer into the process of the review and uh, that was a big one I thought the XFL had a nice first weekend as week two comes ahead uh, this weekend starts tonight nine o'clock if you're listening on Thursday you get a game tonight Saturday a game Sunday double dip but talk a little bit about what you thought about uh, what the XFL always kind of innovative and bringing some things in to the broadcast
2: yeah I I caught quite a bit of this you know traditionally if I if I were to Fine spring football on the dial, I might watch for a few minutes and then, you know, turn away because it just isn't that compelling to me. However, this Fox broadcast, um, or rather the, the ESPN broadcast, but you know, the Fox uh personality of Dean Blandino being part of it was fascinating to me. You know, and it's not like he was a TV guy on these shows in these games. He was the vice president of officiating and playing roles for the entire league. And he was in command central, you know, basically, uh, as the lead review official, you know, and so basically, you know, a review would come up like it does so often that we've seen, you know, countless times in the NFL or or college football and Blandino would go through the, the decision-making and he wasn't doing it for television. They had a mic'd up and they had cameras on him, and things like that. He was doing that, doing this for the game. He was, he was the official. And so you really got to see for the first time. in in my opinion, like the, the micro of it all in the, the the analysis and the thought process and the communication between, you know, the, the replay official and the officials on the year on the field and that kind of thing. And that kind of transparency, I thought was fantastic. And I think it actually could, could help the NFL in a lot of ways where, you know, there wouldn't be so much hemming and hawing after some of these calls, because when you do hear the officials talk it through and, and, and give their, you know, rationale, more often than not, it, it makes a lot of sense, but a lot of times this stuff is, you know, cloak and dagger and, you know, you're not able to, to, to hear or see what what's actually going on. And so, you know, it it leads you to speculation, that kind of thing. But I thought it was a really cool innovation to the broadcast. Uh, Dean Blandino, obviously comfortable in, in, on a microphone in front of a camera, but he was doing his job as the the official as much as anything. And uh, we were able to see that process at the same time. And so I thought that was a cool feature. There were some other rule changes that they had as well that, that, They were rolling out Which were kind of interesting Like how they go for extra points And that kind of thing But all in all I thought it was It was a pretty cool debut For the XFL week one
1: yeah, absolutely. I thought the uh, the broadcast crews uh, got some good stuff from them. Uh, as we were talking about the hot mics, by the way, uh, another innovative thing, the coach's hot mic. You had the uh, Wade Phillips, the venerable Wade Phillips on the sideline, and there's a play late in the game where Orlando on the other side does something. The coach says something to Wade. He says, well, he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's not even a real coach over there talking about Terrell Buckley. Uh, who was a former player, of course, and uh, Phillips essentially called him out, and the announcer um, came right out and said, well, there you go, bulletin board material there. Like, you can't hide. These mics are everywhere. So uh, that was a very interesting part of the broadcast. That was the late game on Sunday night uh, that I heard that, and I watched quite a bit. I'll watch again this weekend, and we have a lot of broadcasters who were a part of that league. Anthony Beck, who, by the way, was a – a uh, classmate of mine at West Virginia, we actually played intramural basketball together on the same team uh, at West Virginia. He was a football player. I did radio there. We became friends through that. And then he ends up getting into broadcasting. He's done Jets pre and post, stuff with the Buccaneers, two of his former teams, ESPN college football analyst, And now he's the head coach of the St. Louis Battlehawks. But we've got a bunch of people in this league who have some media background.
2: Yeah, you, you mentioned Anthony Beck, the head coach of, for St. Louis. Also, Rod Woodson, uh, folks, I'm I'm sure remember him. You know, Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, just an incredible defensive back all those years for the for the Steelers. Well, he's done a lot of broadcasting work. Uh, whether it be Ravens Radio in recent years, Westwood One Radio, Network Television, you know, over over the years as well. Well, he's the head coach of the Las Vegas Vipers franchise, so you see Woodson in the, in the coaching role. And then Daryl Johnston, you know, who's the analyst on the number two Fox team uh, with Joe Davis the, this past year, he has a huge title as well. Uh, executive VP of football operations um, you know that's actually with the USFL so you know kind of interesting you know how these guys kind of do you know double duty you know announcing and then get it going in the spring as well so Johnston you know with the USFL uh, guys like Dean Blandino Anthony Beck Rod Woodson with the XFL and yeah it's uh it's interesting you know how you know we we know in this business you know if you have an opportunity especially in the in the off season when you're 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 You know, you might not have a chance to, you know, um, get your usual gigs in and that kind of thing. You, You typically you take it if the if the if the price is right and all those kind of things. And it's cool to see these guys, you know, staying busy all 12 months of the year.
1: All right. Uh, before we roll out, Phil, we have any uh, other news and notes that we want to hit on, by the way, uh, yesterday or Wednesday or Thursday, I think this week, uh, as we record on a Thursday here, it was 25, uh, 25 years ago. Uh, it was the uh, anniversary of the uh, miracle on ice, the call from Al Michaels. Uh, that was uh, something else that happened this week. So a great moment in broadcasting uh, that was circling around the uh social media feeds i guess on wednesday uh 40 years ago 41 years ago i guess uh, that happened uh and, and obviously that was one of the great broadcasting moments 40 what three years ago
2: 43 years yes. ago yeah 1980 uh, february 22nd 1980 in lake placid obviously the famous uh you know do you believe in miracles from al michaels what people might not remember is the analyst who was working with al michaels who was ken dryden you know who had a a, you know stellar nhl uh career and he was the analyst and you know i was listening to the call quite a few times and you know the thing that keep kept on popping up to me was Dryden was sort of the, the secret sauce in it all. You know, everybody talks about at the Isle Michaels call, but Dryden in a subtle way is able to to uh, get in there as well, which w- is
1: really cool. Yeah, February twenty second, nineteen eighty. Losing it not to the point. Slap shot and it was deflected in from the point. The Soviet Union takes a one to nothing lead for the US. Pavlich up ahead to Schneider, shot shot goes in! But Schneider! Golikov, number 23, leaving it for Makarov. He's trying to get it back to Golikov, then gets it back and scores! And Tretiak, but Johnson is there and scores! With one second to play! Maltsev, Molsev on a breakaway. Maltsev gets it by Craig to give the Soviets the lead.
2: 13 seconds left in the penalty. They chop it in and spotted by Johnson,
1: they score!
2: Craig, he's making too many good saves.
1: Erosiello scores! by Tarruzioni right now, Morrow, up to Schultz, five seconds left in the game, do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. Even a young Al Michaels there, letting it uh, drag out there, letting the crowd kind of take over. Do you believe in miracles, Phil? Is there a more iconic call in the broadcasting lexicon? No. It, I I think without a doubt
2: it's the undisputable number one. And, uh, yeah, you know, again, like – I do want to point out Ken Dryden in his contributions. You know, he snuck in that it's over. And then also, you know, this unbelievable. And, you know, we talk about that as far as, you know, like that organic reaction happening. I mean, this was such a monumental you know, part of, of sports history. Um, I remember as a kid, you know, this was the first sports illustrated that I ever had was Hmm. the one with the, with the miracle on ice on the, on the cover of it. I was, I was eight years old and, you know, I, I, you know, read that thing cover to cover and, you know, um, started kind of my, my career in, in sports, but, you know, just an amazing, amazing call um always fun to celebrate it when the uh, anniversary comes around and yeah al michaels and ken dryden really well done
1: yeah so if you're a listener out there if you have a more famous uh broadcasting call let us know more so than do you believe in miracles i don't know that there is one out there but uh, uh 43 years ago yes yeah,
2: just just one more item uh before we sign off today. Mike, I want to mention is this documentary about Gus Johnson. I don't know if if you got the chance to see it yet, but it's been making its rounds. It was it was debuted on uh Fox this past weekend, uh Back to School with Gus Johnson and it's on replay a, a few times here and there on FS1. I'm sure it's available uh somehow um you know, through streaming, also, but this was really, really well done—a one-hour documentary about Gus Johnson. We talked to him about him last year, how he was going to Harvard in his spare time for this, you know, really uh, uh, amazing leadership program that, that that they offer, and he's with these, uh, you know, leaders from throughout the country in all of these different areas of business and whatnot. And Gus Johnson's able to juggle that along with his announcing season with college football on the highest level as the number one team for Fox so in the documentary was tremendous like you're able to really get to know uh, who Gus Johnson was and what he's all about you're able to see this you know experience of his at Harvard and just how meaningful that was to him but also you got to see behind the scenes how he juggled it all and also some of the Fox uh, television production side of things. They they brought you into some of these production meetings. They had one with uh, Jim Harbaugh that, you know, you, you got to see it from the inside and, you know, Joel Klatt, Jenny Taft, part of part of that team as well. So just really, really well done. And if, uh, you know, any of our listeners out there haven't seen it yet, uh, be sure to check out that Gus Johnson documentary.
1: All right. Uh, episode 37 is a wrap. That's it for the announcer schedule podcast. And uh, don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, ask questions, leave a comment, let us know what you like, and uh, we'll continue to move on episode 38 next week. Last Word on Sports is where you can find this and our other podcast, Tell Me a Story I Don't Know with George Hoffman. And, of course, TJ has uh, the sports media podcast on Last Word on Sports, and you can check those guys out as well. That's where you can find our pod Thursdays right here. So if you're listening today, enjoy. If you're listening over the weekend, have a great weekend. We'll be back next week. And, of course, for Phil, I'm Mike. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been Episode 37 of the Announcer Schedules Podcast.